Hello, fellow wanderers and wool gatherers. JPP here, jumping on before the episode begins. We had a great time chatting with Rob Wenner about all things sound design and cartoons and things of that sort, but wanted to jump on to let you know that we kind of ran into some technical difficulties on this episode. You got to love the internet, especially when it cuts out in the middle of recording a video conference. Therefore, there's some dropouts, and uh, I'm going to cut those out, to say the least. So apologies in advance if it seems a little disjunct in spots, but we're going to roll with it. Rob is certainly a great guest, and we plan to have him back on board for a part two. That way we can really kind of dig into some more specifics in the world of sound design and, and the like as well. Rob's an old friend of mine. I've worked with him for many years, and he's a colleague from uh, Jobs Past. So it was really cool to chat. Also, full disclosure, this is not a paid advertisement, but I want to give a quick shout-out to freesound.org. It's a website full of sound effects and a wealth of samples, if you will, that you can go and search and find many types of sounds that you want to use for, be it a sound design of your own or if you need a quick little noise for a project of sorts. I went on there and created a little sound design story if you will majority of the samples are from there Uh, full disclosure the breaking wind is from free sound it was not me i didn't do it but uh, i'll put links in the show notes uh, for the attributed credits where due and uh, feel free to check them out you can donate to freesound.org to help keep them up and running i will do so as well and uh, you know give them a chance to help you get started with your own endeavors with sound design or samples and things like that so anyway that's the long and short of it oh also before i forget wanderingsandwoolgathering.com is live so feel free to check that out from there you can choose your poison as to where you would like to listen to the podcast you can go to spotify you can go to google play apple podcasts You can even go to SoundCloud if you prefer to. So you have choices. We would love for you to go listen to it at your preferred destination. And please like, comment, leave a review. We want to build this community. We want to get out there and share our knowledge of music or lack thereof, as well as just discover new music from the community too. So wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at wanderingsandwoolgathering. I apologize. I think I'm getting a little bit of a cold, so if I sound a little winded, I'm just battling the urge to cough and sneeze. So trying to keep it together, folks. Anyway, on with the show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Foggy's out on assignment this week. He'll be popping in here and there. But this is JPP, and with me, as always, is Teabags. Teabags, too hot for TV. What's up? <laughs> also got Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. I feel Nine. like we need to do something about that boy band timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, turn up the volume on that part, or yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Facts okay. are facts. Let's let's uh, let's not cross hairs here. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we have a special guest. Nice, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Rob Winter joins us today. Rob, how, how are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Good. Rob, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on board and being willing to put up with us for a little bit of time on a Sunday <laughs> evening. We, uh, we brought Rob on board to discuss all things in the industry, sound design related, sounds of cartoons, sounds of Hollywood, things of that sort. He is an expert in the field, and it's nice to kind of break it up a little bit and, and talk about other sounds besides metal, besides rock, besides tool, things of that sort, <laughs> even though I'm sure it'll pop up in the conversation. So thanks for coming on board, sir. Sure. Thank you. Cool. Hey, sorry, guys. I hate to do this. I need to step away for two seconds, okay? Please be silent. I'll be right back. Good one. Nice. Yes. I didn't expect that from Tony, but man. That was nice. (laughs) (sighs) Sorry about that. The high heels are an added plus. You forgot a fart with push. <laughs> well, I, I made my wife do all the foley work. I, you know, I coached to the best I could. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. By the way, I want that on my headstone. Fart with push. <laughs> Fast track. I, I, kind of, I like to brag that I have a fairly extensive sure. fart library. <laughs> um, and a couple mics that I can't use anymore, too. But yeah, it's all I don't have a library. Don't. I have an arsenal, if that helps. there you go rob you know ribbon mics and air don't mix i'm sorry i know i know i should have read the manual and i didn't but you know well it didn't take us long to get here (laughs) well you know foggy's away the boys will play what can i say (laughs) we don't have the ass principle keeping us in line right on all right cool so hey now that i got that out of the way welcome everyone this is the show that does typically music reviews and music challenges and things like that and today we're kind of taking it left of center which is fine it's good to have fun um we're going to start off with this week's lester bangs challenge which one of you gentlemen have that was that tea bags yes awesome Cool. So Rob, just as a quick recap here, um, he's going to read us a music review from years past and uh, leave out some vital parts so it's not obvious. And it's up to us to take a guess and see who this reviewer was talking about. Oh, cool. Likely bad, but sometimes they're good, too. So we'll see. <laughs> I've been on a roll lately. Hopefully I can get this one. Yeah, yeah no kidding. He's going to end up on the prices right before we know it. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Take it away, teabags. Okay. Well, um, I know we have probably a longer show, so I kept this one short and... Uh, this one doesn't really have a lot of bad or good. It's kind of straightforward. So one paragraph, and we'll see if you guys get it. Okay. It is. Um, Acoustic Leaning, the new seven-song EP from this quartet, is subtle. Strings lighten, and an in- and there's a instrumental that is darkly gorgeous. On a couple of songs, the lead singer's vocals, owing as much to Styx and Kansas as the guitarist's guitars do to Black Sabbath. They evoke pathos as well as anger, yet this is hardly a light version of the band. 
I got I repent, it already. <laughs> I repent tomorrow. He sings worry even of hope in an early in, in nearly every song. The word home wretchingly resounds and ache a bitter prayer. Let's let Rob take a shot before you go and sweep this home Monday. Man. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Reminiscent of sticks. Uh, some of the vocals. Uh, oh, and some of the sticks. vocals are reminiscent of sticks. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hang my hat on that. Okay. So, so you're saying the reviewer has too much time on their hands? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna throw out Dream Theater, but I don't think that's right. Okay. I'll, I'll wait till all the votes are in. All right. I'm just gonna be an ass and say Europe because I have no idea. Europe. <laughs> 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 Well, Monday, you were confident here, so let's throw your guess in here. Allison Chains, Jar Flies. Absolutely. Monday oh. pulls it out again. Wow. He must have read that, he read that review. What they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was interested in seeing how, because, uh, you know, we lived, we lived through that back in the day. So, yep. But uh, kind of what they wrote when you go from that heavy instrumental to that kind of acoustic EP. So. Yeah, all of that combined really was, I mean, seven song EP, the Black Sabbath riffs, the yeah, all of that combined, and mm-hmm. uh, it, I got it pretty quick. Good job. Nice. Nice job. I was way <laughs> off. <laughs> no, yeah, me too. I, what's funny, not funny as in ha-ha, but more like just ironic, I watched a video last night. It was uh, Allison Chain's final concert that was actually caught on high eight mm-hmm. and, and decent quality, and... You know, it was a really stellar performance as far as Lane's voice was there, but he just, he couldn't move. He just stood still. Yeah. And, you know, the band did everything they could, could to give it 110%, but you could just tell he was just struggling to just stay up there. And even when he was walking wow. away, he looked real frail. And um, it was real sad to see, yeah. you know, because yeah. such a such a talent, such a band. And, you know, it's just, un- unfortunately, the human element can get the best, you know, take the worst and, and, it disintegrate the best out of a person is what I'm trying to say. And yeah, that yeah. was, you know, a, a case in point for sure. And he has certainly missed that talent is certainly missed, but mm-hmm. um, you know, if there's anything I can say that, you know, Allison Chains is forging ahead and it's good to still hear Jerry rip it. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, the new singer is doing a really good job. And of course he doesn't sound like Lane to me, but he is, you know, a yeah. solid singer. And uh, it sounds like he's coming back to town doing a solo acoustic set in November too. He was just, they were just here with corn a couple of days ago. So yeah. Um, yeah. might be interesting to see in, in that uh, regard as well. Cause you know, he is his own person and it's awesome for him to be able to express himself too. So True. Um, William Duvall, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. En- enough of my tangent, but nonetheless, you know, good choice. And, uh, good job, Monday. Um, we're gonna thank have you, to come, thank you. We're gonna have to come up with a prize or something. But in the meantime, <laughs> I'll keep it warm. Hey, <laughs> that's a warm one for you. <laughs> All right. Is it time for the uh... weekly challenge? Yes. All right. So, Foggy, we'll cut in here in a second and do the uh, recap. But I'll kind of give it here. So he said to take a favorite piece of work literary wise that would be adapted for tv or mo- or film and come up with three songs that would uh, accentuate it as a soundtrack um so guest first i suppose rob if you've got your information handy you want to uh, give us your submission sure awesome. um 
I picked a uh, piece of literature that um, I've read a number of times, but I've read initially when I was in college, way, way, way back, a long time ago. Um, Walden um, or Life in the Woods by Henry David Thoreau. Nice. Yes. Um, and there were two quotes that I pulled out of this too um, that kind of resonated with me. And I always like to think that um, and I, I, everybody has a massive hard drive between their two ears and we store stuff in there. And sometimes we remember where it is. Sometimes we don't, mm -hmm. but these two things have always kind of stuck with me after reading this book. It says, I watch the passage of the morning cars with the same feeling that I do with the rising of the sun. And I'll explain that in a little bit, but just the, um, when I started getting into do, to do sound design and, um, and do sound effects editing and recording sounds and that kind of thing, um, one of the things that I, you know, kind of tried to focus on is how to learn how to listen to sound and just listen to things and listen to things that a lot of people just kind of blow off and take for granted during the day that they don't pay attention to. Um, and I always just kind of found uh, something in interesting or something beautiful, no matter what kind of sound it was, whether it was, you know, <laughs> early morning birds or the sound of a fart, you know? <laughs> so there's all those different kinds of things there. Um, and then another thing that always stuck with me too, is that if a, if a man does, does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer, let him step to the music, which he hears, however measured or far away. By doing so, men may find happiness and self-fulfillment. So I thought that was always pretty relevant and um, something I've tried to figure out how to do. And then, having read this book a few times, I uh, and I'll just show my age because this will <laughs> some of these selections you're gonna like what? What is he talking? I have a pre-guess. It's all Don Henley, right? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Don Henley. <laughs> um, no, the first thing I had is it's uh, it's a song called Icarus, and it, there's a it was a group called Paul Winter Consort, which, as I was explaining to Paul earlier, was a kind of a precursor. It's a jazz sort of folk sort of world music kind of thing um, that. Uh, they did a lot of albums. The particular album this was done was produced by George Martin. Um, and um, I can't remember the date of it. I, I pulled it up on Wikipedia, but I don't remember what the date was. Um, but it was in, it's instrumental uh, music, and it's the precursor to, I guess, what you would call new, new age music, you know, when that label started to be attached to things where that didn't have vocals <laughs> on them. Um, and so this this music just has a lot of cool uh, elements to it. It's the melody is kind of goes between um, melancholy to happy to back and forth and kind of interesting in, uh, instrumentation with um, uh, English horn and soprano sax, acoustic guitar, uh, cello, tabla, percussion, that kind of thing is kind of a little. But every time I read the book, I kind of heard this music going on behind in my head when I was reading the book. So um, another one is Die Man Cowboy by Boards of Canada. I'm a huge Boards of Canada fan. Um, yes. And um, 
anything this this particular song i just I, i've always just really liked this uh particular song a lot and then um uh the, the other song i picked is first circle by the pat metheny group which is the song that starts off with the weird hand clap rhythm and then goes into there and then has a voice uh no lyrics but it does have a vocal part to it and just kind of builds and throughout the whole piece and it just always reminded me of um what it was what henry david thoreau was trying to illustrate with what he how he was living his life when he wrote this book so that's very cool i'm interested to check out all of that stuff we will certainly have the links in the show notes for sure. And, you know, Pat Metheny's vocalist, technically those were lyrics. Da-ba-da-da-da-da-ba-da. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm going to say something really horrible, but I actually don't like lyrics. And so... Uh, fight, Tony, fight, fight. <laughs> <laughs> so when I hear that, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a voice. Tony's our resident lyrics guy. So. Ah, okay. But that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I just I, I uh, it it, it uh, the, well, we can talk about that another time. But I just when I listen to that, those kind of booba 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 booba, it doesn't put you. It, you're not you know you're not getting anything from the lyrical information. It's just a melodic right. instrument. Yeah. There. Yeah, and you know, Rob is like like me. He's a musician, and a lot of times, if if I'm speaking out of bounds, let me know. But you know, you you much like me probably dig into the production aspect, and sometimes sure. it's like I don't need that deeper meaning right now. I want to hear what's going on with his guitar tone. Yeah, or exactly. <laughs> Bas- yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. but <laughs> but you know, nonetheless, I'll go back and listen to words as well, and and that sort of thing. So it's you know, music is subjective, guys. You, you guys stay in your ring over there, and we'll, we'll tag team and you know what? wear the spandex and duke it out later. But <laughs> yeah. I'll just let everybody do their thing, and we'll leave the spandex out of it. <laughs> yeah, I was ready to. I never, I never thought I ever heard, would hear anyone say that, but just. <laughs> hey, bags did you already have dinner? Yes. Damn, I was going to serve you a turnbuckle sandwich. <laughs> anyway, sorry. All okay. right. <laughs> Metalhead Monday, your turn. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of a, I I initially was not thrilled with this challenge because it was really hard, but I ended up nailing down one song to one piece of literature and it just kind of got the ideas rolling and I actually had to sit down and do some research on this, so I am ready to rock. All right. Uh, I chose uh, what is probably my favorite book, uh, 1984 by George Orwell. Mm -hmm. Um, Excuse me. And there's, you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot there in 1984. (laughs) Uh, It's not a huge book, but there's a lot going on. So, you know, you kind of, you have the whole thing with like, uh, you know, it's obviously uh, dis- written in the 40s, the dystopian future of what he thought 1984 might be like. And, um, you know, it's like the, the government is pretty much in complete control. There's, you know, Big Brother is always watching. That's kind of where that came from. And uh, there's like vid screens everywhere that uh, some of it is actually quite visionary, which that's one thing is like there's... <laughs> bid screens everywhere and they can see what you're doing all the time 
Hmm. So they can keep tabs on you and, you know, everything is, everything is censored and, uh, you know, lots of propaganda stuff and it's, uh, it's just a really great book. I don't mind. Um, I'm just kidding. I got three songs that I think would work. They, they've actually done a movie of this. Uh, I would like to see it as a series. So these might work with the series. Uh, the first one I came up with was uh, a newer track from Metallica called Spit Out the Bone. And this is, it's a little off topic, but because it deals more with the, like the technology taking over, but there's also, they talk, it's a bit of the do as I say, and you'll be fine mentality. Uh, it, one of the lyrics says something about, I mean, they're basically saying, don't feel anything don't think anything we'll take care of that for you um and there's the kind of the worship of technology kind of reminded me of the vid screen thing and all of that so i thought that one would work uh <coughs> excuse me um the second one i came up with is a brand new song that just came out this friday um it's from a band called sacred reich and they have a song on their new album called Divide and Conquer. Um, and the, it deals a lot with uh, pitting people against each other using like propaganda, misinformation, distraction, that kind of thing. Uh, they talk about uh, distrusting those that are different from you. Um, and one of the, one of the lines, uh, actually two of the lines I pulled from the song, um, one is dangerous words don't exist, which goes back to in 1984, the changing of the language and uh, thought crime. They talk about thought crime a lot. Mm -hmm. And they, in the song, they also say the few again have conquered the masses, which is, you know, what the whole book is about basically is the government. These, this small group of people, you know, keeping the masses, uh, satisfied so they're docile so i thought that that song would work really well in there somewhere and my last one is testify by rage against the machine okay. and this honestly never would have come to me but i was kind of kind of doing some research and looking and i mean it, if this song is not about 1984 it very well could be because <laughs> it you read the lyrics and i mean it speaks on the media uh comforting the masses it talks about you know everything you see in the news cycle and propaganda and this and that is comforting to you and keeping you you know keeping you down um uh they touch on working yourself almost to death for the profit of corporations, which is, that's a lot of, there's a lot of that in 1984. They, you know, keep everybody working, working all the time. Um, and this line right here is, I swear, I mean, this is the core of what this book is about. It's a, who controls the past now controls the future, who controls the present now controls the past. And they do that. There's a lot of that. Actually, Winston Smith, the main character of the book, his job is kind of that. Like they give him things to rewrite. He's essentially rewriting history. Like they give him things like 
such and such it happened and they want to change this and he changes it and sends it out. So, I mean, that's exactly what's going on there. <laughs> so those three choices I thought worked perfect and I was pretty pleased with that. Cool. Yeah. Two, 2019. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to bring that up, but you know. <laughs> so you said divide and conquer. You know what came to my mind when you were talking about the uh, <laughs> some of the aspect of that? My mind went to duck season, rabbit season, yeah. duck season. <laughs> <laughs> Fitting for tonight's show, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd actually like to see that as a, a series, Jeremy. I think that would. Yeah, be the movie is okay. It's, I mean, it. I've tried to watch it recently. It's really slow. Yeah. It has excellent actors in it, and I think the the Eurythmics did like all the music and stuff. Dave Stewart, you know, but mm-hmm. it's. I think it could be updated and would serve it better as a series. Yeah, definitely. It could use Charlton Heston. <laughs> Good luck with that. Get off, get off my Facebook, you damn dirty propagandist. <laughs> Sorry. Bags of tea, do you want to go or should I go? Um, go ahead, Paul. Well, if you insist. Um, all right. So let me adjust my mic here real quick. Be all important. <clears throat> Here's a little story for you. In high school, Mundy joined a sci-fi book club. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yes, I do. And I think you referred me, like, if I joined, you got a little perk out of it or something like that. And I was like, yeah, what the hell? You know, I'll, I'll buy some books. I might read them. I might use them to stand up and get something off the top shelf. <laughs> and uh, I read I read some of them. In fact, when my sister was in the hospital giving birth to my nephew, I was in the hospital waiting room reading a book cover to cover. And that book was called The Harvest by Robert Charles Wilson. And I'll read kind of a summary here zoom in because i don't want to admit that i'm wearing bifocals um (laughs) it says do you want to live forever the travelers asked humanity and only one in ten thousand said no their ship had been in orbit around the earth for a year but their only communication came one night via an enigmatic dream of immortality and the next day everything was changed most of the world prepared to put away their earthly lives as children put away their toys and the few who remained fully human began to know fear so basically, um, you know, not to ruin the entire story, it's really intense. You know, at least it was when I was 16, 17. But um, basically this alien entity, a community of alien entities, I should say, came and, and gave humanity a choice on how they wanted to per, uh, proceed with their fate. And so those who stayed on the planet lost those, I mean, you know, it's not a snap from a glove, but it's certainly similar in that, you know, people lost a lot of things, a lot of loved ones. And um, there were different levels of choices and uh, paths that people could choose in their fate of eternity and, and whatnot. There was judgment and, and the like as well. So <clears throat> my uh, soundtrack choice was really tough. I'm not going to lie, but I went with three tunes. Um, it's going to be kind of a funny path you'll see tony you'll see what i'm talking about okay but i i chose uh the first song was the warning by nine inch nails yeah. um <laughs> because you know it's saying some say it was a warning some say it was a sign i was standing right there when it came down from the sky you yeah. know so that really just ties into that whole intro of the of the plot mm-hmm. that's um, cool yeah and then from there i was like 
year zero by ghost um, mm-hmm. because <laughs> at that point it becomes a new starting point for those that are remaining on the planet and uh, becomes kind of like a hell on earth because you know they're, they've lost loved ones and they're trying to survive and that sort of thing and you know of course they it's certainly a scandalous tune in that it talks a lot about Beelzebub, Satan, and things like that. But nonetheless, I think it would fit kind of nicely for the torment that some of these people are experiencing. My last tune um, that I chose as a lyrical aspect of it was The Hunter by Mastodon. All the love <laughs> I've shown, given to the ones I've known, all the love I make is equal to the love I take, and all the life I've known, given to the life I've shown along the way. So at that point, they're reflecting and really, you know, just kind of longing for uh, everybody that's been in their path and, you know, up to that point where there were no more. So, you know, I think those three songs kind of cho- shows the, the contrasting <laughs> ways things could go down. And of course, you can't have a, a soundtrack without score. So mm-hmm. I would certainly have Trent and Atticus come on board and add all the, the <laughs> yeah, creepy soundscapes. So. <laughs> um, to, to tie in the entire visual elements where there's silence and eerie prospects and, and doom and gloom. I don't know if they could handle that. No, no, certainly not. <laughs> it's you know. a stretch. It's a yeah. stretch. You know, yeah. their work on the price is right. Breathtaking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they actually, they actually did just sign on for a Pixar movie called soul yeah. or something. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. They announced it yesterday. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, those are hey. uh, great choices, Paul. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. and I highly recommend I, I'd the watch book. it. <laughs> yeah, I, it, <laughs> you know, it's funny because as a high schooler, um, you know, it was certainly an, an easy read. But even to this day, you know, I still have the copy. I need to break it out and read it again and see how it fares the test of time. Yeah, it's kind of cool because I don't, I, I've never read that book, so um, it'll be interesting if I get a book out of our music podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, right on. Teabag's turn. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I chose The Thief of Always by Clive Barker. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be a kind of a children's young adult book, but it's got some deep meanings in there. So uh, spoiler alert, because I got to explain the story so I can tell you why I picked the songs. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the it's about a kid, basically, who's bored out of his mind, and it's in the month of February. And he, you know how kids are. You can't even think all the way to summer. And so he just wants to do anything at all. And he gets kind of taken away by this person that promises him like Christmas every day into this house of fun. And it's fun all the time. And uh, eventually that he goes there just to stay a couple hours because he's not going to tell his parents. And, you know, he stays there way longer than he even knows and uh, gets bored with all the fun, you know. And so comes back and and so much time has passed. He's lost all of this time and, and didn't even realize it. So um anyway i think we all can probably relate to that (laughs) you know the passage of time um so what better thing to kick it off than time by pink floyd and especially you know frittering away that kind of stuff and uh, i wanted to add a little bit of foreshadowing you know that there was going to be some doom and gloom at the end or at least some uh you know introspection of as to what just happened and and things on life so um but in the middle, you know, there's fun in the middle and the kids having fun. So I thought um, Blue Christmas doing a Christmas song but by Bright Eyes. And it's got a kind of different feel to it. And me, cinematically, I'm thinking like it kind of doesn't go and that kind of creates some tension, you know. So uh, and hopefully, you know, in my head, as it's being filmed, you can kind of see the uh, 
the fun start to wear thin and dull a little bit. So when he returns and finally kind of is all back there and uh, and realizes how much time has passed, um, I thought it could end with Disarm by Smashing Pumpkins because he talks in there about, oh, the years burn and uh, I used to be a little boy and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, nice little cheery story for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Clive Barker. I'm a big fan and I've yeah. read several of his. <laughs> I have not read that one. Yeah, I've not read that either. Well, hopefully you muted me so you didn't hear the whole story. But, but <laughs> it's also got illustrations in it, like not illustrations of like panels telling the story, but just like random illustrations from him. And it's yeah. a really cool uh, book. So if you can find a copy, pick it up. That's cool. I, I've always liked his style. It's kind of most of what I've seen is kind of uh, – I mean, I don't know. It's very definitely not realistic. It's kind of right. scratchy and, you know, a little more abstract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. A little distorted. So, How uh, cool is it? it you chose Time by Pink Floyd because I was listening to that earlier this evening on my way to pick up dinner. So, Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that that's a timeless song, actually. I mean, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I always, whenever I think about that, I think about um, – they're still getting a check every time it gets played on the radio. Yep. Yes, Imagine doing something in the seventies and still getting a check today. <laughs> Thank you. Residuals. That, that mailbox money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No kidding. <laughs> now, if you wanted to make a parody of this Clive Barker novel, you could choose time after time by Cindy Lauper. Oh, <laughs> much time on. Right, there we go. Back yeah. to the back <laughs> sticks. <laughs> Gotta always go back to sticks somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to throw out. Got the time. <laughs> no Jackson or Anthrax. I, either one's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see the kids sitting there like moving time after time. <laughs> Raining window. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. That's that's cool. Foggy, it's going to be his turn here, so we'll insert Foggy for mine. Um, when I chose this challenge, I had nothing in mind, but, uh, this week I was rereading Naruto and, uh, it's 72 volumes, nine chapters each. I think the video is like 700, um, 30 minute videos to complete the entire story. And, um, it's one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, it doesn't matter the genre. It's just a fantastic story. And so, it was easy to come up with three songs. Um, actually, I could have about ten songs for it, but uh, I'm going to go with three tonight. And uh, the first one is just a song that encapsula- encapsulates the entire thing, and uh, that is Battle Symphony from Linkin Park, because uh, the song just takes care of everything throughout the entire series. You've got all these factions warring together, um, and these kids basically, which is a lot of them are, uh, battling uh, for the right to take on uh, the next role that would come to them. Uh, And in the case of Naruto, it would be he wants to be the Hokage of the village. And so for him, I chose Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down because Naruto has this spirit. Um, He's one of the best characters in all of fiction in, uh, in that he will never quit. He doesn't give up, and he never goes back on his word. No matter what he says he's going to do, he does. And he's so brutally honest that uh, he's just an amazing character, and he will never 
back down. And uh, the final one, um, one of my favorite characters in the series is actually one of Naruto's. Um, he's like his Obi Wan, and his name is Jiraiya, and um, one of the greatest characters. He uh, is affectionately known as the pervy sage because he writes these love novels. Well, it ends up that one of these love novels that he writes has these clues for Naruto, which is um, kind of a really cool touch. Um, And his death in the series, oh, sorry, spoiler warning, um, is really dramatic. And uh, it's a real tearjerker for most of the fans. So the song that I chose, because he is such a quirky character, is Weezer's the greatest man that ever lived. And uh, if you know Weezer, you know that they are also a very quirky band, very serious, and yet, at times, um, can be very odd. So I thought it was a perfect choice for Jiraiya. So my three choices for Naruto are Battle Symphony from Linkin Park, Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down, and Weezer's The Greatest Man That Ever Lived. All right, that concludes. Thanks, Foggy. Really appreciate the the insight and your challenge. All right, so T-Bags, you have next week's challenge. Is that right? Yes, I do. So uh, I thought that since we talked about literature this week, that we should do some writing for next week. So oh boy. Uh, wow. <laughs> pick one of the greatest live performances that you can find on YouTube and write a concise review of that performance as if you were there. And then we'll read our re- reviews on, on the next challenge. It was the best of shows. It was the worst of shows. <laughs> I said concise, Paul. <laughs> Does it have to be from YouTube, or what if we have some in our library? And as long, as, it's, as long as it's shareable so that we can show people. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah. I got it. I mean, you could upload it if you've got something. Uh, yeah, probably not. Okay. <laughs> Just that I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> This challenge for this week, that was enough work for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> what Monday is saying like, is, I can't make it next week. I'm going to have herpes. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Steve Steve will appreciate this because he's been trying to get me to write something forever. Yes. Well, I figured we could also put it on the website and kind of fill in some content. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. that'd be great. Okay. Begrudgingly. Whoops. Oops. <laughs> I turned the volume down. Begrudgingly. Challenge accepted. So yeah. this is this is where we talk to Rob about always being prepared with your sound drops and all of that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Because there's always, uh, it's probably not going to be loud enough. <laughs> probably not playing back. Never mind. I hear it. Here's something. <laughs> yeah, it's not working. Sorry. I'm sorry. There's always this. Hey, there it is. <laughs> Fart, <just> push. <laughs> I swear, if, if you, I, if I type in "fart with push," it comes out and it lists about twenty-five of them, different versions of that. I mean, wow. it's supposed to come out, right? Ah, boom! <laughs> See, hello. Where's the rim shot there? Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, that's on, Paul. I think that's the sound designer's equivalent of once more with feeling. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Nice. Pretty much. Woohoo. Hey. Yeah. See? Yeah. Right on. It is time for the meat of the show now. We're gonna get into the Q and A with Rob Winner. Rob Winner, you've been here what? for a while here, so 
thanks for you know sticking with us through the challenges and all that stuff. That was a lot oh, of fun. Thanks for thanks for letting me do one too. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, it's really good to get in the person's mind and learn about music or learn about you know what fires them up and that sort of thing for sure. And that ultimately, we've all discovered new music because of the conversations we've had and even digging into sure. rabbit holes and that sort of thing. So it's it's great. So let's let's get into it. Rob, you have had um, a history of sound design. You've worked with uh, projects pertaining to animation, commercials, film, games, weird stuff. You know, yeah. if I need to put the kids to bed, let me know. No, um, no, it's not that weird. <laughs> okay. Just, just things you would not think would need a sound designer to make a noise. Oh, okay. They got gotcha. you. Yeah. Got it. With with or without push, noted. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into uh, some Q&A based around that. So why don't we start with, I know we did this a little backwards. We did the challenges and stuff, but now it's time for the audience to get to know you. Tell, tell a little bit about yourself and, and uh, what you've done and what you're up to. Well, um, I, um, I'm older, old. I'm old. And um, I actually, back in the, sometime in the late 70s, attended Berkeley College of Music for a couple of years. And I was intent, I wanted to be a really famous jazz drummer. And um, so I went there thinking that's what I was going to do. And then it turned out that there are a lot of other really famous jazz drummers that were a lot better than I was that were already there. <laughs> and um, I kept playing. I still, you know, in fact, I still play. Um, I shifted a little bit to composing and um, then got a gig playing for a band, a show band, so to speak, or a corporate band that uh, toured uh, up and down the East Coast and left school, as a lot of people do when they go to Berkeley, um, and ended up in Chicago and uh, started doing playing as a musician and um, starting to do some studio things and jingle work and stuff. And um, um, I also was working at the uh, guitar center to feed myself, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and after about a year, they shipped me off to Los Angeles to run the drum department at the Hollywood Guitar Center, which was pretty cool. So it's a pretty big store and stuff. And um, I was there for a, a couple of years and working there and really got involved in doing, um, got involved in, and this was back when MIDI and sampling was first starting to become, you know, uh, a, a, a thing that everybody was doing um, and got into doing a lot of uh, MIDI triggering and stuff for drums and percussion things and um, <clears throat> got into doing synchronization where you, you know, back in the day, using a synchronizer to keep a multi-track tape machine, uh, videotape machines, a computer, anything else that you tried to sync, try to keep them all synchronized together. And I got kind of good at doing that. And I started getting some calls to go out and help people with that kind of thing. And a friend of mine had a um, um, client that was moving from Chicago to Los Angeles, who was a film score and um he was setting up his home studio and he called me up and said uh, i need you to come over and help me set up my gear here's the list of stuff i have here's the synchronizer i use and you know i heard you could help me get all this put together so 
uh, I went over and set up his studio and got everything working. And, um, and he asked, Hey, have you ever done um, sound effects for cartoons before? <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, it's a complete lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I've watched an enormous amount of cartoons from everything. I mean, that's when I was a kid, that's all I did. I think pretty much aside from, other shows like Mannix and Green Acres, but uh, <laughs> it was predominantly cartoons um, and specifically Warner Brothers stuff. And this guy happened to have a gig coming up where he was going to do uh, the music. And he was also asked to do sound effects for a Daffy Duck cartoon. And um, I, of course, lied and said I knew how to do that. I understood the technology and I understood the process of how all that worked just from my experience working with some people in the past um but i had no clue how to make sound effects for cartoons and even you know what the what the hell you would do with that mm-hmm. but um he said well cool well we're gonna start next week and i'm like okay <laughs> <clears throat> so i went home and sw- was sweating and freaking out going okay how am i gonna do this mm-hmm. and um we got through it it was uh thing called quack busters which was kind of like a rehash of some of the older daffy duck cartoons and a couple new things and so um at that time when we were working on this i also was able to get access to the warner brothers sound effects library on the lot at warner brothers and they had this tiny little closet in the um kind of like the animation part of of the lot that they had which is a really small place at the time um, and it was this closet of um, mag stock of just sound effects that were all the original sound effects that were recorded back in the 40s and 50s when they were doing all those cartoons. And so I got to go in and on a, on a flatbed um, edit and, and edit together different sound effects and then take those back and try and clean them up and remaster them a little bit. Um, to be, make you know get rid of some of the scratchiness and all that kind of stuff, noise reduction. Which at the time when I was doing this, actually all those cool tools that we have now didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of a uh, lot of gating and EQ and all kinds of stuff to get that stuff to to sound not new, but just to clean it up a little bit. I can only so, assume that sometimes you had to move a fader just to, in the nick of time to get rid of something. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, there was no automation or nothing like that at all. It was, it was pretty ridiculous Ooh. and very time consuming. Sure. But what I learned out of that experience, I was kind of locked in that little room for about three weeks. And what I learned from that is just being able to listen to how they recorded all of that stuff. Cause it, these were all the unedited sounds that they had recorded. And so I started listening to how they were doing some of this stuff and they would describe what the object was or they'd describe what they were doing or where it was. And that was just a really amazing learning experience from, from that. And just kind of, you know, I, I, I really dove into that and I was like, okay, I think I can figure this out sort of. And I think I understand how to approach this now. So um, we worked on the music part of this um, and then it was my turn to start working on sound effects. And I just kind of dove in and recorded stuff and edited things that I could. And a lot of it was all tape based at the time. I had a, at the time I was using an Akai S1000 sampler. If you remember those from a million years ago. I have an S2000 staring at me right here. Beautiful. (laughs) Um, 
So I would do a lot of sampling in that and edit stuff in that and kind of trigger those things a little bit. But this is really, this is really kind of uh, like medieval times of sampling and MIDI. So it was really, it was really difficult to do. Um, but I learned how to do it and I learned how to, to sync things and, and time things and put things in the right place. And we had to send things off to get approved by the animation department. And, you know, that was another learning experience to say, well, can you move that, move that sound three frames? I'm like, okay. And those three frames actually made it work better. Even though it wasn't completely in sync, it just timed it out better. And, um, so through that process, I started working on a number of different kind of anim animated projects through this with this composer, George Doherty, who um, Paul knows from um, from your uh, my hometown roots here. My hometown uh, roots. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's from he's from where I'm staying these days. And uh, yeah. his name gets mentioned a lot from from people who have a lot of high respect for him. Yeah. And um, we ended up working on a number of different projects and uh, worked on a live show called Bugs Bunny. It was originally called Bugs Bunny on Broadway, and then it's morphed into Bugs Bunny in Concert and Bugs Bunny at the Symphony. Uh, it's basically a live production that per performs with the symphony orchestra. And um, we did all the sound effects and remastered the dialogue. And so it all plays in sync with the orchestra playing the music and the orchestra's on a click track. And it's a pretty, it was, this, this show started back in the, um, in the eighties and uh, we were on Broadway for, for a short time and then went out on tour. And um, I actually worked for the show for about 18 years. That's how long it's been going on. And uh, it's still playing around, around the country, around the world. So, um, but that kind of got me in connection with doing stuff with um, Chuck Jones, who was the original, one of the original animators of um, Bugs Bunny. Legend. Uh, yeah, legend, le legendary anim animation director. Um, you know, he, the Roadrunner, Coyote, all of those, all of those characters who, you know, I watched all that stuff and never, ever dreamed I would ever get a chance to, to do that. But now I was getting a chance to work with this guy based on the fact that I lied about having to, how, how I knew how to do sound effects. <laughs> I always caution people that so I, I teach sound design now too. And I, I caution my students. They say, just don't say you can do it. Make sure you have information. At least you know the process or, you know, the technology to make it things work. Just don't come and say, you know, yeah, I know how to do that. Make sure you have something you can take out of your pocket and go, yeah, I, here's how I can figure out how to do this. So anyway, so I had a chance to work with him for about 10 years until he passed away and worked on a number of projects with him. Um, uh, uh, some, anything, any animated things that he did in film, like for Mrs. Doubtfire and a movie called Stay Tuned and, um, and, and then we started doing some new animated shorts that were theatrical shorts that played before Warner Brothers films. And then I worked with him on a, um, the one of Warner Brothers first web-based uh, flash animation series that was called Timberwolf. And we did about uh, 15 episodes of that, which was kind of cool. So um, from that point on, I just started doing more um, animation things and that those type of things and commercial spots and anything, anytime commercials had animation in them, uh, I was 
do ended up somehow doing some of those commercial spots. Um, and uh, if you've ever played Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally on the Sega Genesis, <laughs> I did the sound effects for that, which was really weird <laughs> at the time. But and then um, I've just I've just been fortunate. I, I just you know I, I've always just loved the loved making noise and and figuring out how you know people get to people somehow figured out to pay me how pay me to sit and make noise which is kind of bizarre when you think about it and hard to explain to people who don't understand what all of that is, entails but um i've always really enjoyed that a lot and um and i've done some weird stuff it's like you know i i got uh since i had access to a lot of the warner brothers sound effects that weren't uh, commercially available meaning you couldn't go out and buy a warner brothers sound effects library there were certain sounds that they kept that were they considered signature Warner Brothers sounds like the Roadrunner meep meep, um, Bugs Bunny's carrot crunch. Uh, anytime I would say, what's up doc and take a bite of a carrot. And so I started getting these really strange uh, jobs from Warner Brothers sound effects. And one of them was something called talking tees, which uh, they basically licensed Warner Brothers characters to this, to a t-shirt company and they made t-shirts where when you push the push a little button on the t-shirt it would make a sound of that character for like the tasmanian devil spinning around or the roadrunner or the sound of the coyote falling down off of a cliff <laughs> that kind of thing um and so that was you know i just started doing some strange things where i'm like well you know you're right i just i you know where would those sounds come from? They don't kind of fall out of the sky. So somebody had to figure that out. So I ended up working with a company in Taiwan and getting those put onto uh, chips and all that kind of stuff. And then from that, I started doing other strange things where I had to do a singing frog, that a stuffed frog that would sing college fight songs. <laughs> and this, this, this woman had started this business and she had, she got licensing from all the big 10 universities and all of these other universities and to use their college fight song and their uh, logos and then, you know, the colors and all that stuff and had this stuffed frog. And when you pushed his hand, he would sing, he would croak their fight song. So <laughs> I had to sit and do that, which was really strange, but that went on for about two and a half years because she kept saying, well, here's one for you for uh, university of Alabama and university of Miami. And I'm like, really? No? Okay. So it was kind of weird. And so, you know, you mentioned mailbox money earlier. This was kind of my version of mailbox money coming up as like, wow. All right. Here's another 10 schools that I didn't know had college fights on. And now this frog has to sing them. So it was a combination of me croaking and some sound effects that I edited together. And then I would just do a MIDI file of that and play them back and time it out right and make it funny sounding. And it was just very strange. So, but you know, that again, it's going back to, you know, some, someone was paying me to make noise, which I thought was pretty funny and odd. So. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool, you know, because it's Great. obviously a unique identifier. It's a niche market, and there was obviously a demand for what you did. I uh, guess. Too. So <laughs> kept getting some calls here and there, so that's, that's awesome. Um, guys, what questions do you have? 
Uh, one that I thought of, you know, you're talking about working on all the Warner Brothers stuff and working with Chuck Jones and all of that. Um, do you ever get like a kind of, I don't know, overwhelmed is the right word, but do you ever have time to like sit back and think about the legacy of the stuff you've worked on and all of that, the history of it? Um, and does that kind of, has that, has that ever gotten to you or shaken you or intimidated you or anything? Um, the only, I, I will, I will say I've had a chance to work on a lot of cool projects and work with people I never, ever dreamed that I would work with, but I would think the one, the one thing I, I did that really, it took me a couple of days to realize what had happened, but, um, I done a few things for the website, Jim yeah, Jab, okay. year in review video. Um, an you know animation thing, kind of their, their their stylized animation that they would do, and I did a few of those. And um, they used to premiere them on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And what was really weird is, you know, I was working on this. I knew that I, you know, they were going to play it somewhere. I didn't really realize it was going to be on the Tonight Show. <laughs> but I'm working on the sound effects and stuff, and I'm you know doing some funny noises and stuff. And that was pretty cool. And uh, submitted it, and they mixed it, and we're, everything was was good. And then they sent me an email, so oh, just just to let you know, we're going to premiere this on the Tonight Show tomorrow night. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Like on the the Tonight Show? You mean? Yeah, we're going to be like the second guest in. I said, oh, okay. So it kind of freaked me out because at that time I had just moved. I had a couple studios down on Music Row here in Nashville when I moved to Nashville a number of years ago, and. Um, eventually decided, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of clients that would come to my studio. Most of them were either on the West Coast or uh, New York or wherever. And um, so I was like, why am you know, I don't need to be here and I'm paying all this rent and blah, blah, blah. And so I moved my studio home into a spare room that I have. And um, it just struck me really odd that I, I had just been doing this in my house, making these noises in my house, mm-hmm scream you know doing some weird noises in the backyard my my neighbors are going what what the hell is wrong with this guy we know he does something in the music business but he's always out there making weird noises <laughs> and so when it came on i'm just sat back and i'm like wow that's bizarre cuz there's like millions of people watching this that i that and i just did this little these weird noises in my house and that that kind of hit me i was like wow this is that's pretty ridiculous <laughs> so yeah um, you know, I just, I, I've, I've never taken for granted the, the people I've had a chance to work with and just, I really, you know, um, I, I, that's kind of, that, that's the first time that it kind of hit me. I was just like, wow. Cause I usually, I've been, I, I've been able to keep busy and I kind of roll into the next project and I don't necessarily always, you know, have time to sit back and reflect that much but that was one instance where i was like that's crazy yeah. how did that happen so very well, my, cool my question, <laughs> question kind of comes along the heels of just that you said like just doing that inside your mm-hmm. home like you know um so everyday life type of stuff, like i don't know as a writer, you know, I might think of something and I need to write it down and Paul seen or heard something. And Absolutely. Like, okay, I, I keep gotta, a uh, yeah. Zoom 
portable recorder mm-hmm. in the trunk of my car. Um, and um, I also have a mic that I keep with me that I can clip onto my phone if I hear something. I, I'm always going out and doing that. Um, you know, people people ask me, well, what, what church do you go to, Rob? And I go, well, I go to Home Depot <laughs> Sunday morning. And I okay. And I said, it's not, but it's not for what you think. I actually like to go to Home Depot or Lowe's or some of the, one of those, something like that and go and record sounds. And, you know, I'm walking around with my headphone on and my portable recorder, just recording stuff. And I, you know, of course I've been stopped a few times, like, sir, can we help you? Is there a problem? (laughs) (laughs) Can you just drop that board for me real quick? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) With push. I have to, yeah, can you do a fart with push, please? Um, So I, you know, I have to go in and kind of introduce myself and just say, I'm here just collecting some sounds and I, you know, but, but I, yeah, there's, that's one of the, that's one of the horrible, there's a good thing and bad thing about that. Uh I have trouble sitting and watching movies because I'm constantly zeroing in on those sounds and hopefully it's not stuff that was cut in from a sound effects library uh-huh. that has been around forever because I immediately hear that and I go, Oh man, that's from the sound. I guess, 2003. Yes. Track two, you know, it's just bad. It's bad. And it takes have, you out of the story. Right. I have a follow-up question about that when you're done. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it, um, uh, so I, I'm always, you know, I always, I'm listening for stuff. I'm always in, if I hear something interesting and I can grab it, I'll record it and go back and use it. I have a pretty huge sound effects library of, um, stuff I recorded over the, whatever, how many years I've been doing this. And, um, you never, sometimes you use the stuff other times you don't, but you know, it's weird. Cause it's the kind of thing where you go, you listen to a sound and this is one of the things as far as doing sound editing and as a sound designer, you don't listen for the specific sound that you're looking for. You listen to parts of the sound or an element of a series of sounds that you might be able to take and use that for something else or use that to create something else. So yeah, I'm constantly listening for stuff, recording stuff, mm-hmm. you know, breaking things that I probably shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Jeremy. Okay, so <clears throat> you touched on catching something that is obviously dropped in from an existing library or something. Mm-hmm. What when you hear that, what is it about that where you can just immediately tell? Is it like some kind of production thing or some kind of uh sound that's on it or or what yeah i'll give you a great example and hopefully you won't notice this but you might um there's a door creak and door creak with a door open with a creak sound it's a wooden door and it has a threshold um kind of like a i don't know if it's a, a rubber threshold or a brush threshold or something like that but I hear that used on on doors a lot because one, it's a great sound and it works and it times really well to somebody opening a wood door, but I hear it a lot. And that it's a sound that I've just heard over and over and I know exactly what library it came from. <laughs> and it's not necessarily <laughs> the pitch of the sound, it's the elements of that sound. And you're like, okay, wow, they, they couldn't just get another door or make their own door or whatever. <laughs> um, and that happened, you know, I, and going into uh, doing um, 
scoring for film or, or commercials or anything like that. Um, that's always a danger too with, with using music that people already know and trying to incorporate that into a score mm-hmm. um, and not coming up with the original score for things because you're like, wait a minute, what? That, that, I love this song. And then that brings, that gives the person listening to it a, a whole new memory or, come, you know, it comes back and they go, I remember what I did when I heard this song the first time. And now you've taken them out of the story of the film mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, that can be dangerous. So I always really conscious about that with sound effects is that you don't want, you don't want to use a sound that someone's going to recognize that came from somewhere else or something that's been used too much. Um you know, you, you can, having listened to so many different sound effects, libraries and stuff, you start to kind of, kind of, you, you know, your library, you can go and say, well, I need that wooden door open and close, but it needs to have this kind of a latch to it. The handle has to have a certain ring to it and, and mechanism needs to have a certain sound to it. And you start looking for those kind of things, but then you have to go, well, how long has this sound effects library been out and how many people have access to this library and why don't I just uh, create my own and go from there. So yeah, it's, it's always a challenge because you don't want to take people out of the story because you decided just to pull a sound that someone has already used a million times. So like, like the Wilhelm scream, the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. <laughs> Which turned, you know, that, that, that did not turn, that did not start out as a joke. That started out as a, you know, that's a great scream for someone getting shot or falling off a bridge or whatever. Ah! But then us evil sound editors decided, well, you know what? We're going to stick that in everything and see if anyone knows. <laughs> and it's still, to this day, it's in commercials. It's in every, it's in movie. I mean, I hear it all the time. It's, you know, it's become kind of a, an annoying joke. At first it was funny, but now it's just like, really? That's funny. There's uh there's actually a band called a Wilhelm scream. Exactly. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty they are. good. They are. That's funny. Here's a question from me. So obviously with sound design, you're dealing with organic elements, door opening, door shut, footsteps, things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the process? Like give us, give us an example of where you have to layer sounds to create a final result. So some things that may not even be, you know, say true to form to what that sound actually is, but because you've layered things effectively, it turns into a nice presentation that provides impact for that moment. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, um, rarely do you find a sound in a, you know, a sound effects library or whatever, uh, you know, if you if you need to type in gun gunshot, you know, uh, a handgun or whatever, type that in. There's tons of those different sounds, but to make a gun sound more menacing or evil or whatever you need to do, there's a lot of different layers you need to add to those things. And um, rarely is it, you know, I go in, I do a lot of foley work, which is where you're recording footsteps and cloth movement and anything that uh, a character would pick up and handle, but they're, they're called props. And that's all stuff that's done to picture in real time. And you're recording that and layering those things to make those work as well. Cause it's not always just one particular type of object that's going to create the right sound. But I'll give you an example of, of what I kind of go through to do um, even just gun sounds. Um, Please, that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, there obviously there's a gunshot, 
that you want. You know, that's kind of the, that's the, the payoff of the gun. You know, if someone's shooting a gun, you want that big shot. Um, but there's also handling noise of a gun. And um, I don't own any guns. I don't own any fake guns. I don't own any broken guns or anything like that. And the way I create that is I actually took a bunch of old pliers and a wooden hammer, a handle of a hammer, and duct tape those together and manipulate some of the metal noises to make it sound like someone's holding a gun and cocking it back or clicking a safety off or whatever. So if someone saw me doing this, be like, they're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but when you put that to picture, people buy it. People, people think, okay, well, that's what that sounds like. You can hear my, the palm of my hand on the wood of, or the, you know, the butt of the gun mm-hmm. um, and all that handling noise that occurs. And then when you get to the actual shot of something, it's not just one gunshot. It's a gunshot that's recorded in many different ways to get, to get it to sound very big. You, uh, and there's, you, you, you know, it's, it's hard to go out and record your own guns. Um, I haven't had a chance to do that ever. I've kind of relied on other people's libraries to do that. Um, but you, but I like to be able to build them. So I'll, if you typically they'll record gunshots in multiple mic positions and perspectives. So it'll be a close up, a mic that's set up close up, a mic that's set up kind of midway through, and then a, a, a mic farther away. You take all those sounds and those files and slide them together, and now you get this huge gunshot sound. Where normally you'd be like, it'd be like a, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of lame. But if you want a bigger sound, you will push all those things together and use the use the the tail of it, the reverb that's the re, the natural reverb that's being recorded as well, and the close-up sound. So now you get this huge <laughs> kind of sound, and so that's you know that's kind of an example of doing all those different types of layers to get that all to work. And um, I mean, you do that for all kinds of stuff. It's car crashes, just even cars driving. Um, uh, the interior sound of a car, you can, you know, you can sit in the back seat and record where you're, what you're doing, but to make it more realistic, you got to get the sound of the tires on the road, on the surface, whatever kind of surface it's on, uh, the type of engine rumble that you want to represent that car has, um, anything else, air movement past the car, all that stuff. You just kind of layer all those things together to get it to be a sound that the person watching the movie or television show is going to believe it. They're going to say, yeah, that's what that sounds like. That's what that car. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Uh, Foley work is fascinating to me. I I think it's, it's insane how, you know, especially when it first began, how you figure out, well, this kind of stuff is like this. So let's do this way. And it, it's so funny to me. Really yeah, that. I think I made a joke. I don't know who I was talking to, Paul or Steve or somebody, but I said, <laughs> I was joking that I was going to ask you what makes the best leaf sound, rustling leaves. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, but I, you don't have to answer that. I no, mean, I mean, uh, the, I, I'll tell you, because people people ask me that a lot. I mean, I always say, well, how do you make, you know, do you go outside and walk around and shake the leaves or run around the front? <laughs> 
No. <laughs> all the other stuff. So I use um, old analog quarter inch tape. Um, uh, sometimes I'll use cassette tapes. So I'll just rip the tape out of a cassette tape, put that on a piece of carpeting um, and walk on those if I need to get the sound of leaves. Sometimes I'll use shredded up newspaper. Um, other times I'll use a, if I need to get the sound of a leaf rustle through the wind, I'll use the same tape, but just not as much of it and just kind of slap it a little bit and add a little wind to that. And you go, yeah, there, are the we there are the leaves blowing. Go on. So it's pretty, yeah. I mean, that, that, and that, I had a chance to, when I was still uh, living in Los Angeles, I had a chance to go and watch a couple of the, some of the greatest Foley artists that, uh, that were working. Um, I kind of just kind of got to be a fly on the back of the studio wall and watch them work. And um, it just blew me away. And I really got into doing that. And I do that all the time. And that's pretty much, <laughs> that's, from dialogue, sound effect, sound design, and then Foley, um, and then music. It's kind of those four things that I always do. So so let's say I go to the grocery store and I go to the, the deli and the meat section. What thickness and grade of steak do I need to get to get the, the best punch? <laughs> well, it's dependent on the story, Paul. Oh. It depends on the story and the character. And no, um, the, I don't, I, I think I mentioned that I've done that in the past. I've actually used pork, pork butt, um, uh, bone is nice. <laughs> There's so many, so many things you can say about that, but let's just move on. Um, about four, four phone books when they were still, when you still had phone books and I haven't seen a phone book in forever. Um, put them all together, wrapped it in paper towel, wrapped it a few times in paper towels and then wrapped it around, wrapped it again with duct tape, silver duct tape and made this big mess of thing. I don't, I, in fact, I have it. Um, I don't have it here right now, but I should have, I should have remembered to dig that out, but, That's all right. um, it's got this deep thud and I use a uh, Neumann U87 whenever I do these kind of sounds. So I get this real nice, good full spectrum recording of what, um, what I'm doing, but you just punch that and it's got a, it's got the slap that you need from the duct tape. Right. And that sound. And, but it's, then it's got this good thud that you get from that layer of phone books and stuff. So, you know, again, I beat some guy up with a bunch of phone books one day, which was kind of weird. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, and frozen, frozen vegetables, frozen fruit are great for uh, bone cracks um, and, and really horrible sounds like that. Mm -hmm. So are pine cones. I have a collection of pine cones I grab from the neighborhood and People see me walking around with a little bag and I'm picking up pine cones like, oh, he's into arts and crafts. I'm like, no, <laughs> I need to snap some guy's neck. I mean, kind of. <laughs> you are creating what something. That? What could I, well, if someone was to walk in there, they go, man, you know, we need to call somebody because you need some help here. I go, no, no, don't touch anything. <laughs> I'm a fully artist. <laughs> Back. Hey, JPP jumping in here. As you can tell, it starts getting a little choppy with Rob's dialogue, and he starts dragging out like he's some sort of crazy sample. That's the internet for you when it cuts out completely. So I lost connection. I dropped out of the session altogether, 
and uh, jumped back in as quickly as I could and started recording. So what you are about to hear is them in the middle of a conversation and uh, finishes out the episode, essentially. Normally, uh, not to get too in the weeds, I have individual tracks and I'm able to mix and blend a little more effectively, but because of the nature of the technical difficulties, this is one bounced track that came from uh, the video conference software and so apologies for any kind of quality and mishaps that may occur but at least we were able to still continue on with the conversation overall again if you like hearing this type of talk about behind the scenes and more of the technical aspect of audio and production you know please comment and let us know we certainly would love to dig further with these types of conversations with people in the industry um, also if there's any type of albums out there that you'd like for us to talk about that we may not or we may not be aware of uh, please leave a comment and let us know too we're always scavenging the internet looking for new music and you know sometimes it's through word of mouth where we hear some really cool gems that's how we found beauty and chaos so please leave us a comment and let us know all right, enough of my babble. We're back to the show. Just made me <laughs> crazy. Because uh, yeah. like, uh. <laughs> when you get into doing dialogue editing, a lot of times you're taking one word from one sentence, another word from another sentence, and you're putting those things together. If it doesn't, you know, if the take the takes that you have doesn't fit the script or fit what the director mm -hmm. wants, you go into micro editing and just you know pulling all those kinds of things together and so that's what we were doing it was it was pretty crazy so wow but yeah so i had a, i that was that was probably the most challenging thing i and that that I, I had to do from a dialogue standpoint is trying to put all that together and keep make it just sound like it was you know they had re, you know pushed record and he just did that and boom we're done but that wasn't really the case <laughs> So oh, right. that sounds cool, but like a lot of hard work. It is. It was. It was. And this was before, this was way back when, before we had like fast computers and stuff. Uh -huh. So I was working on a pretty old, well, it wasn't old then, but a, a, a Mac, I think it was a Mac Quadra 650. Uh -huh. Total of eight megs of RAM. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it was slow. It was painful, but we got it done. So. Hey, Rob, we lost Paul there for a minute. He's trying to. Oh come no! Back in. He's trying to come back in. He said to tell you to stand by for a second. Okay. And tell me if I'm babbling on too much. Oh, you're good, man. This is That's awesome. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I, we're all uh, movie buffs and all of that. You know, we love all this kind of stuff. So, cool. and I'm I'm a big fan of animation. Awesome. Uh, and uh, some of my favorite stuff is Warner Brothers as well, but it's like the Batman stuff. So well, sure, but no, that that yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah, that those are awesome. I I've not had a chance to work on anything like that really. My most of the car, cartoon things I've been doing are that cartoons. Yeah, it keeps showing up. Your internet connection is unstable. Well, so is my life right now. Okay, <laughs> get off but, my back. Yeah. <laughs> So for you teach um, audio production and sound design in uh, you know college level for students. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you don't want to be a dream crusher, but let's get real. How tough is it to break 
um, in this industry for sound design and such. Before you answer that, I will, I, I have to say, I want to hear the answer to this because my oldest son was, he was on track to, he wanted to be some kind of engineer and now he's kind of leaning towards sound engineering. So I'm very interested in the answer to this question. Well, he should talk to me. Yeah, I know. And I've told him that. I have told him that. <laughs> um, it's really difficult to get into doing to get into doing sound design, sound editing, and then get you know work get to a level where you're working on, a, you know, pro major projects or tv shows and stuff like that it's tough it's a lot of competition uh since technology has progressed the way it has there's a lot more competition than there ever was mm -hmm. um and um it's it you have to put yourself in a place where they're doing that kind of work so you know you can't it, you know there may be a there may be in, in the Indianapolis area, there may be a film community um, that, you know, they, there's independent films being done and they need people to do sound, but you would kind of start in that thing. But to really get into doing this and being able to try and make a living doing this, you have to be in a part of the country or part of the world where this work is being done. And it's not an overnight thing. It takes a long time to break into it. Um, I was I was in the classic right place at the right time kind of scenario when that when it happened for me and then of course I lied which I don't recommend people do, um, but like I said I had I had knowledge of the technology involved with how to make things work so that that helped me out, but it's it's not an easy thing to do um, you know and I and I'm when I'm teaching uh, this kind of stuff to people. Um, Hopefully they see the how hard the work can be and how time consuming it is. And it's not just a matter of going to um, Pond5 or going to YouTube and finding a sound effect and dropping it in wherever it needs to be. It's a lot more work to get it to a, another level and more of a create, you know, be able to make this a creative endeavor as well. And so, um, I'm not, I certainly would never crush anyone's dreams, but I try and make it really clear that, you know, one, this is not a job for everybody because there is a lot of work. You don't get a lot of money and a lot of fame and fortune because honestly, when's the last time you walked out of a movie and said, boy, those footsteps in that film were awesome. <laughs> no one gives a crap about what they are. When they're not there or they're missing, that's when the audience goes, something's wrong with that scene. I think there's something wrong with the audio, maybe. You know, mm -hmm. if it's if you did yep. something wrong, someone's going to find out. But when you do stuff, you know, and I, and I always try and explain to you, you know, I, I, don't, I don't do this because I think I'm going to, you know, get famous or whatever. I do this just because I just love to do this. It's a little dog making that noise. <laughs> um, Charlie. Park it. All right. Um, so I, you know, I, it's, I try, try and be very realistic. You, you know, I, I've had a few students go on to do, to work in the field, which has been, for me as a teacher, is very rewarding. One of my students ended up at Skywalker Sound and has worked on a number of films there, which was really cool. Actually, two students I've had. Um, 
And a couple other people have gone to work in New York or um, even here in Nashville as well. And, um, but, you know, out of, you know, 100, 200 or so students, that's just five or six people. But, mm -hmm. you know, they were students who, even when they were in school, they put that extra time in. They didn't wait to the last minute for a project to be due and go, oh, well, here's a couple of sounds. I'll just drop them in and boop, there it is. They understood the process. They practiced the process. They worked on it. Um, if they got to a point where they thought it was great, they went back and listened to it again and said, okay, I can change this. I can change that. I can change that. There's one weird thing is that you're never really finished with the project. You just kind of have to end it when the client needs it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, I could fiddle with stuff for forever, you know, I mean, just keep going. Oh, that, you know what? I could, I could add something else there. That's going to make that sound a little bit different, but you really, you know, and another thing too, you're, you're kind of limited to what your budget is, what your time frame is. Um, and it's not just you who's working on all this stuff. You're working with other people and it's a whole creative process that you have to understand and respect and understand people's budgetary concerns and respect their time, you know, the time commitment you have to make to do certain things. Um, and so I, you know, and I explain to people I, for 15 years, 20 years, um, I never really took a vacation ever because I had to work. I kept working. I had deadlines I had to meet. I really didn't, you know, it wasn't the kind of thing where I, just kick back and go okay well i can work on that in a couple of weeks or whatever it's always it's always been a deadline to work on things you don't have the necessary luxury of saying yeah well, we'll just you'll give it to us when you're done it's usually we need this by wednesday at four four o'clock to screen for the client and it's it's monday afternoon like, okay <laughs> so and when i was doing a lot more commercial work and doing music and jingle stuff um it was not uncommon to to get a call from an advertising agency saying, hey, we need three, three demos that we can play for the client um, and we need them by 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. And it can't be just a piano, you know, a, a, give me a C, a bouncy C kind of song. It has to be like a full, <laughs> full on recorded kick-ass piece of music that sounds like you worked on it for the last 12 months, you know, um, and turn those around that fast. And you just have to be willing to do that. And you're, you know, you have to be at a point in your life where you can just say, okay, this is what I do. This is how I have to work with it. And some people can deal with that. A lot of people can't. And um, so I was trying to understand that that's what it takes. You just have to really devote yourself to, to this creative art that you want to do and make it work, you know, and just work at it and work at it and work at it. Um, so duly noted yeah yeah i mean i wish i wish i i wish i mean i there's there's no rosy picture when it comes to doing audio engineering or sound engineering either there's the same kind of deal you got to put all that time and you put in that work and you try and find people to work for that you can move it move and progress along with and get to the next level and get to the next step and that's really tough to do because it's really it's, it's not a, you know, you're not making a lot of money. You're spending a lot of money to learn how to do stuff and spending a lot of money on equipment. Um, but you not, don't always get the return financially that you put into it. And you really have to kind of look back and go, okay, is that what I want to do? So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Absolutely. And I appreciate the candid demeanor on that because let's face it, there are a lot of people that want to sell you on, you know, the palm tree of it versus the reality, you know, it comes, it comes down to loving what you do for one. And if you want it bad enough, you'll put the time in and it, it's, Mm -hmm. while it is daunting, the, the learning aspect and stuff keeps it stimulating and exciting. That's what's kept me, you know, focused on the industry in some fashion for many years, even though here I am in Indiana and there's not a lot of opportunity for me to be a performing musician and things like that, but I have ways that set that scratches that itch and I'm able to accomplish something creative and even make a little money on the side. And, you know, I get to talk to three yahoos every Sunday about music too. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and write a song for the episode every week too. So, you know, there's, there's ways I, I make that happen. So that way my sanity is retained and, Absolutely. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I still have my family, I still have my responsibilities, but I also have my elements of fun and outlet. So um, thank you for that. That's, I think, you know, for listeners out there who maybe, you know, we're not trying to scare you away from the industry by any means, no. but if you can find a balance where, you know, you're taking care of your, your life and your days, but at the same time, you're able to still do this th- then, you know, by all means, go for it. And if you find an opportunity that lets you do this more than 50%, go for it. If it gives you the 60%, go for it, things like that. And that's, you know, what it takes is just building that momentum and gradually getting there. But you play the long game, don't think it's going to happen overnight. Oh, no. Yeah, it does not happen overnight. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. at all. So no. play that part for your son, Monday. That's the answer. <laughs> Why yeah. will be? Yeah. Will. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yep. So Rob, um, I know we kept you for a while, but you know, we may have just a couple quick questions before we wrap up. But one, one thing I wanted to ask too, what's one of the biggest obstacles with sound design that you face? I mean, of course, with anything, there's writer's block and there's, you know, um, here's the beginning of the project that you're driving through the, on the road with, through the fog with no lights and that kind of thing. So can you kind of give us a scenario of, you know, how, how you break through that rut and, and get moving? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, and it's interesting that um, the process is not, um, a lot of it is dependent on what the director uh, wants, or if you're in commercials, if the ad agency is telling you. The biggest obstacle I've ever encountered is working with someone that says, well, you know what, I'll know it when I hear it. Because as soon as someone says that to me, I'm like, oh boy, (laughs) this isn't going to end well. Because I don't know what the hell you hear. So um, I'm not sure what you're expecting to hear. And, you know, if it's someone I work with in the past, they know what I can do and they understand what I can do. And so if they say that, I kind of think that's more of a joke. But if it's someone I've never worked with and they just kind of throw that out, you're like, oh, man, I don't know. Now you really put me in a place where I'm not sure where to start. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, the whole process and even writing music for film. Um, it, it's not about what you think is cool. It's about what the story needs first, mm-hmm. regardless yeah. of what it is. If it's a movie, if it's a commercial, if it's a game, um, even the freaking singing frogs, you know, it's a story <laughs> you're still trying to sell. Um yeah. And they're trying to, to, to support. And so the all of what you're doing is to support the story and what the director wants, what the director yeah. hears in their head. And the hardest and most difficult thing to do is to get inside someone's head and say, Okay, what are they what do you what do they want to hear? How do they how are they when they were sitting there editing this or writing this, 
what did they hear in their head? Yeah. And that's a tough thing because, you know, some people can communicate that to you. Others cannot. Hopefully they can give you some clues as to where it should go and you can go from that. But if someone just has no idea, that is probably the most difficult and you just kind of start throwing stuff out and see what happens. Can I humbly offer you some advice on that? Yeah. I would just slap some tape, punch a phone book and send it to him. (laughs) (laughs) Go from there. There you go. <laughs> Look at that. Did you like that? Yeah. Did that fit? No, it didn't. Did it? Yeah. No. <laughs> More descriptive. Client. <laughs> Just somebody fighting in the leaves. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's you know that's that is the most difficult thing. Rarely do I do you run into the issue where you can't figure out how to make a sound because. There's so many ways to create sounds and so many different ways to capture sounds and manipulate sounds. Um, and, you know, even with synthesis and all that kind of stuff that that's rarely is a stumbling block. It's really more about trying to understand what the story needs and really what the director wants, wants to, that's the biggest difficult difficulty, I think. Sure. So. You know, it's like, did they want, ah, Oh, yeah, well, exactly. Right, exactly, exactly. Or did they want, or did they want, oh. <laughs> so. I sh- Yeah, I should have punched my chest. My face hurts now, but anyway. Yeah, that, yeah I, learned that, I learned that a while ago. You don't want to start slapping your face. because Rookie mistake, my bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, speaking of, I got the pleasure of doing uh, some sound work for a buddy's project last November where they did a comedian's project. They did 30 videos in 30 days or 31, something like that for his 31st birthday. Um, I got to do some sound editing and sound design for three of them. Um, I'll I'll send you a link so you can give me a a harsh grade, you know, give me the, no, (laughs) no no curve. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're certainly college level humor and highly inappropriate. So I won't. Yeah. They're fun. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah so that was that was a, a cool little bit to say at least my favorite one was tiny bathroom concert it was a jab at npr's <laughs> tiny desk concert dudes in there trying to use the bathroom and band That's breaks in awesome. starts performing and he's like what what what, what the f are you doing <laughs> excuse me yeah and there's a crowd in this in the bathtub holding like coffee cups and just kind of clapping awesome. Awesome. he's like getting ready to wipe do you mind <laughs> <laughs> Classic comedy gold. Yeah. Cool. Guys, do you have any other questions? I know we've been uh, inquiring away. Uh, I would say just uh, one, one piece of equipment other than the computer, like that you can't live without. Um, Other than my computer, um, I use a ton of software, a lot of different workstations to do certain things. Um, but I would say my trusty um, uh, Sennheiser 416 shotgun mic and my old U87 that I've had forever um, to record sounds with. And then they're just, I, I know what, you know, they capture what I, what they capture the sounds I need and, and it works really well. I keep a very simple signal chain um through, you know, just through different mic pre's and the high, you know, um, high gain mic pre's because a lot of times there are times when I'm recording the sound of my fingertips and, um, you know, 
if you put that in front of a mic, it's still maybe not <laughs> enough. So you really have to crank the gain and it's gotta be a really, it's gotta be a mic that has a lot of low self noise and, and, and same with the mic pre that you're using. So I have a few different things that I couldn't live without for that kind of thing. Um, and um, just, I mean, I really kind of become a lot more, I kind of took a little bit of a break for a few years and um, from doing certain things and doing some projects and just kind of started ramping this stuff up a little bit more in the last couple of years. And I'm just blown away about uh, with all the software that's available to do a lot of uh, sound manipulation and um, just sound design kind of things and editing things. Um, what used, there's so many different ways to do things now and what used to take me hours to build the sound, I can now do those very quickly and get the, a very similar result. There's still nothing like walking, you know, doing the actual real footsteps. You know, I, I have digital Foley libraries, so if I'm short on time or I'm short on a budget for something, um, I can walk in uh, footsteps based off to just playing them on a sound, you know, my sound effects on a keyboard and match those. I have it all mapped. So if someone spins or scuffs their shoe or whatever, uh, it's all varied, you know, about 25 different varied footsteps on different surfaces. And I can play those in with my fingers, you know, similar to the way I would normally walk it. It's much faster to do it the traditional way where you walk it with, you know, shoes on a surface and, and with a mic to picture. Um, but there's just a lot of new things that, that, um, I think are really cool to be able to use now that, um, that weren't around when I first started. And I'm just like, bam, I could have, <laughs> I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have, <laughs> but anyway, that's cool. Yep. Monday, anything? Uh, no, I don't really have anything further. <laughs> well, don't be so pretentious. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding. Well, cool. Rob, man, thank you again for, oh, thank for popping you. on and talking about the industry and, and, you know, if you get a chance in the future, we'd love to have you come back. I'd love um, to and we can dig deeper and all that good stuff. And, and of course, you know, Foggy was on assignment this week. He couldn't make it, but uh, you know, I'm sure he'll have questions for the next round for sure. Where cool. can um, the interwebs and podcast listeners find you? Um, I have a web website. Um, it's new noise online.com. It's a very quick story of why it ended up new noise online. When I went to buy the domain name New Noise, N-E-W-N-O-I-S-E, somebody in in St. Louis had already bought up every possible way to say newnoise.com, and that was the only way I had left. And I would try it, N-U-N-O-Y-Z, and I thought, okay, that would be cool. And then I started getting phone calls for, you know, do you, what kind of rap music do you do? I said, I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. Um, so it ended up as newnoiseonline.com. And, um, and then I also, I have a, I have a Facebook page, but honestly I haven't done anything with it. And I'm, I'm actually excited to perhaps send out a, la a launch, my, my Facebook or Instagram um, with this, uh, with this, with this podcast too, which would be kind of fun. So. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Very good. Well, yeah. thanks again. We really appreciate that. And then um, I assume on your website, you've got some sounds and things that people can hear. Some of yeah. There's um, I have a YouTube channel also that that's linked to my website, uh, the, the demo page. I mean the, the, you know, here's mm -hmm. the stuff we've 
own kind of thing. And it's got a number of different things on there. So cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, excellent. Again, Rob, thanks for playing the challenge. Thanks for oh, guessing thank on Mr. Bangs. You and yes. I, you know, we, we both burned to the ground, but we gave it all we could. Hey, you know, <laughs> at least it wasn't lover boy. Cause then I, that was my next, that was my next guess, but. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. No, thank you. I really had, I had, yeah. had fun talking to you guys and I really appreciate it. So, no problem. Oh, you know, always all the best, man. Appreciate your time. So I'll send you some links and stuff and then, um, you know, feel free to keep us up to date on what you're up to and we'll share it with our listeners. Awesome. Thank you very much. No problem. All right. Listeners. Thanks for listening as usual, not to sound redundantly redundant, but, uh, <laughs> stick around. We may have a mini sode coming up next week and, uh, you know, we're always looking for new music to review. We've got some fun ones coming up. Of course, the new tool will be out, um, pretty soon. Tony, I'm sure you have the exact moment that will be out because you have a time machine and you've already been there, right? <laughs> I, uh, cannot say whether it's true or not, but I may have already listened to the whole album. What? So uh, anyway, wow. pass any copyright infringement issues. Go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm looking forward to that. So next week. Cool. Okay, that is it for tonight. Uh, hope to see you next week when we have a Lester Bangs inspired challenge from Metalhead Monday and we tackle the weekly challenge from Teabags. Everybody have a good night. Bye now. <laughs>